All right, am I on? Yes, I am. All right. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Oh, looks like it's a little dreary out there today. They said they were supposed to get some storms later this afternoon, so it's going to be interesting. I'm almost going to be a repeat of last Monday. But anyways, we want to thank everyone who has joined us online. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, we're going to go to, to God in a word of prayer real quick, and then we'll get started with class. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us, and we thank you for the, the freedom and the, the opportunity, the, the technology that we have to still be able to assemble in a way uh, and, and study your word and to, to worship you, Lord. And I just ask that you, you bless us as we go through this. Allow us to take what we, we hear and, and learn today and to, to help us to use it to apply to our lives, but also to help us maybe change how we see things sometimes and, and view things and, and maybe put ourselves in other people's shoes sometimes, Lord. And I just I ask that you, you bless us as we go through this class. I, again, I, just like last week, we ask that you bless us as we go through this coronavirus situation, that you allow us to get over it quickly, to, best, to persevere through it, and for those who are ill and, and suffering from it to recover and allow us to get back somewhat to a normal uh, way of life, Lord. We just thank you for everything you do for us, for blessing us, and for your son who you sent to die on the cross. And it's in Christ we pray. Amen. All right, so this week we um, are moving and switching to a new series. I think this one's going to be about six weeks. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. It just depends on how this one plays out and, and how uh, everything kind of works together. Um, it's called A Day in the Life. And the reason I called it A Day in the Life, um, one of the, a lot of the things that hit me, I try to... You know, if I'm teaching on something, I, I try to be a, an example of it or, or follow it a little bit when, when I'm teaching on it. And so a lot of the prayers and, and things that, you know, that we've been talking about over the last six, seven weeks, um, you know, one, several of them, the last one we just went over was Send Me, which, which looked at going and, and going out and, and God sending us out into the world and, and, and converting others. But it, some of those other ones were, you know, break me or break my heart, uh, make me bold. And so I'm, I'm probably going to apply a little bit of those to myself today because I'm going to be honest with you, the way this class is going to work out uh, and what I've tried to do with it is probably um, the hardest lesson that I've done. I, I know it's the hardest one I've done so far. Um, it gets very personal, uh, and, and I use some very uh, specific examples real uh, if I could find them um, and but then others I tried to you know situations I knew of or, or new situations you know, similarities and and things like that so uh, basically what we're going to do is we're going to follow through the day in the life and for those who are Beatles fans I did not know this was a Beatles song uh, until I did some Google search and that was the first thing that came up but anyways um what I'm going to try to look at is three different areas uh, in, in the life of three different kind of groups of people, I guess you could say. The first being the unchurched, people who've never really had any experience with church whatsoever, um, some pretty harsh backgrounds. Um, I'm trying to think of some, some way to put this, but basically people who have no religious religious experience whatsoever and actually may be very anti-religious for, for specific reasons. And then I want to switch to 
what we call the church, people who grew up in the church or are very familiar with the church. And we're going to look at different scenarios. I'm trying to focus on three different, in each lesson I'm trying to focus on three different type of people or scenarios and, and things that may play out in their lives. And then the last one is, the, so we have the unchurched, the church, and then the last one I want to look at is just what we call uh, the, the Christian, a day in the life of a Christian. And I'll be honest with you, um, I didn't come up with some of these ideas on my own. Uh, it was actually came out of a conversation that me and Kyle Smith were having, for those who know him. Um, you know, and one of the comments he made was, I wonder what, you know, I wonder if we should just look, or, or basically it was something along the lines of, what should the everyday life of a Christian look like? And so I, th- I started thinking about that, and I started doing a, I was going to do a class just around that, but as I started developing this and looking at it, I, one of the things I thought, I was like, well, yeah, we know what the day in the life of a Christian, or, or we, can, we have our ideas, but what if we looked at what the day in the life of everyone we may encounter is like? Because we kind of, everyone lives in their own little bubble in their own little worlds, and they have all their own expectations, and they have all their own realities of, of how things are, you know, and how things should be. The conservative lives in their conservative bubble. The liberals live in their liberal bubble, and they, and they really don't let the other ones cross very much unless it's an interaction of, you know, some type of argument or debate. And so you have all these different types of bubbles that people live in. And, and my thought is, is, let's try to, you know, I'm, I guess the terminology I use is pop those bubbles a little bit, and let's step out of side of them, and let's try to put ourselves in the shoes of someone else for, for a day. And in this case, it would be for about 45 minutes. And maybe try to experience life from, from their side and, and see what that looks like. So I'm going to be honest with you, this was a very hard lesson to prepare for, especially this one here, because I started that on the unchurched side. Um, my intention, and I'll say this up front, and I'm going to clarify as I go through, is not to try to make the church look bad or make Christians look bad. I'm doing this as a view of what someone who may be a non-Christian might see out in the world. And, and today's side's going to be a little bit harsh, but next week, I want you to stay, uh, next week's going to look a little bit different. But we've got to look at the positive, uh, the negative with the positive. So, like I said, it's going to be very personal my, my intention's not to attack or to make things look better. I want to be real as I go through this. And now I'm going to be honest with you, I almost did not do this lesson because of how hard it's going to probably be, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. But I was listening to one of my podcasts today, and, and one of the preachers that were on, not today, but this week, and one of the preachers that were on there said, the hardest lesson to prepare for and preach is probably the one that's needed most. And I thought, well, I hope this is the case. <laughs> or teach, I hope this is the case. So... Uh, the first thing I want to do as we, as we go into this, I want to look at two definitions um, before we get started. The first one is sympathy. Sympathy is a shared feeling, usually of sorrow, pity, or compassion for another person. You show concern for another person when you feel sympathy for them. So you, you, kinda, you feel sorry for them, you feel bad for them, you see that they're going through something, and there's some emotion of, of feeling bad for that situation or that person. The next one I want to look at is empathy. Empathy is stronger than sympathy. It is the ability to put yourself in the place of another and understand someone else's feelings by identifying with them. 
And that's what I want to try to, for us to try to do today. So a lot of times I think we show sympathy for people. We, we feel bad for the situation that they're in, right? We, you know, we'll even say, I, I feel bad for that person, or, or I hate that that person's having to go through that. But I don't think we rarely do, we rarely, I think, show empathy for people. And that's a whole different, because at that point, you are putting yourself in their shoes. You are trying to understand what they, you may not be, have experienced what they're experiencing, but you are trying to understand what it would be like to experience what that person has experienced. And so, that's what I would like for us to try to do today with, with what we're going to go through. And the, the verses that I want you to think about or, or keep in mind as we go through this is 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. And this can be applied for a lot of things, but I really think that, that Paul was trying to get to a, a, a point of empathy when he talks about some of the things that he's talking about here. And the first one is, and, and this is this, just this, lesson, this, this first verse in itself could be a lesson. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. We could learn a lot just from that one sentence. We so many times, especially I think sometimes as Americans, we, you know, I am free, I'm, I can do what I want, I can, I can, you know, I don't have to listen, I, you know, all these type of things. It's like, you know, this is the way it should be, and this is the way I think, and, the, you know. But if you actually look at what Paul says here, he says, I, he, said, he said, I'm a free man, and I have no master, I can do what I want. He says, but I become a slave to all people to bring, to bring some or many to Christ. And I'm using the, uh, the NLT, the New Living Translation here, because I like the way it words this particular um, section of Scripture because of the way, the way and, the, and the point I'm trying to use today. But I really think, I mean, we could sit and have a whole lesson just on this particular verse right here. But we have got to, you think of life, think of your life as you go out into this world and as a Christian and you walk through every day. If you saw yourself as a slave, to everyone that you encountered, how different would your interactions and would your life be with those people? Not I can say what I want, I can do what I want, this is what I believe, this is what I think, or this is, you know, but I, I am this person's servant or their slave. Anyone I, you know, this is not some people. He says, I make myself a slave or become a slave to all people so that I can bring many to Christ. In verse 20, he, he further goes into this. He says, When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though I am not subject to the law. I did this so that I could bring to, the, to, bring to Christ those who were under the law. So again, he, he is living with, you know, he, he, he ministered to the Jewish people and, and, and the Gentiles. We're going to look at that in a second. But he became like those people. He, he lived under their, their law, their, their beliefs, their, their systems in order to kind of be able to, to have influence on these people. He didn't go in there and say, look, you Jews don't have to follow this anymore. You know, we, we, this isn't the way it's done anymore. He, he, he went in there and he lived with them and he worked to convert them by having influence, by living under their, their system even though he wasn't actually bound to it. Then in verse 21, he says, when I, am with the, when I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. 
but I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. So a lot of people have used this verse, or these, this section of verse, to justify living a sinful lifestyle in order to reach this, this people who are in maybe a particular sinful situation. And, and this is not the case. He, he's saying, you know, and he, you, you, you see that, and then we'll see this a little bit further. He's saying, I, I, I become like them, I, I put myself in with them, but I still obey God's law while I'm doing this. So when I'm with the Gentiles, I don't follow the Jewish law that we've, you know, that's been established and that I grew up with and that so many know. I live like the Gentiles do, but I still obey the law of God. So, so we need to make sure that this, this is a fine line. And as I go through this lesson, I want everyone to understand I'm not justifying or saying that certain sins are okay, but we have to put ourselves in people's shoes sometime to understand where they're coming from and why they may be in the sinful lifestyle that they're in. So he says, but I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. And that's, that, I should meant to highlight that, that is something we need to constantly, no matter what we're trying to do, no matter who we're trying to influence and, and bring to Christ, that's what we need to do. But this is my favorite one, verse 22. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I, I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone. Now, the other translations of this say, I become all things to all men so that I may convert or save some. In the New Living Translation, he says, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. So the idea is here, and I think this is why I gave the definitions of sympathy and empathy. I believe what Paul talks about here is being empathetic towards people. He finds that he, you know, he talks about someone who is weak, and and the, most scholars believe this is weak in the faith or, or weak in in learning, because you know Paul was a, a scholar. Paul was 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 highly intelligent when it came to the Jewish law and, and the things. You see this in all his writings how it comes out. So a lot of people think that may this may have been, you know, part of that too that you know he shares in their weaknesses. But I, I, what the point I want to make here is Paul is talking about becoming. I believe, empathetic, having empathy with people in their current situation, right? Putting themselves, himself in their shoes to understand what they are going through, to understand their situation, so that way I can then convert them. And, you know, and then the key verse here says, I, I find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. So that's a key word, word there. You're not going to save everyone. And even if you follow this to a T, you're only going to save some. And so this is why this is important. And then finally, I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. So I want everyone to keep that in mind as we go through this and to, 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 to look at this because we're going to look in the day in the life of three very unchurched people. And when I say unchurched, I'm going to say pretty much they've had little to no church interaction whatsoever. Probably the only times they've stepped foot in a church is for maybe a wedding or a funeral. And then we'll cover some of the ideas around, around these three people. The first person I'm going to talk about, and these are just random names. Um, actually, one of them's not, but we'll talk about that next week. But for the most part, the random names, I just picked them out of the sky. So we'll see here. The first one we're going to look at is Christine. And I, my, my goal here is that I want you to put yourself in this person's 
shoes and try to imagine that and be empathetic to the fact that you are this person and you're going to experience the things that Christine has experienced. Christine was born in small town USA, little tiny town, I don't know, somewhere in the U.S. She was born to a single mom. She has no idea who her father is. Her dad or father was never in her life. Her mom is a, was or is a drug addict and kind of did her best to take care of her. It was enough to keep social, or the, I say social services, the whatever the defects, whatever we call them around here, from coming in and taking her child away. But she still grew up in a house of drugs, alcohol. Her mom had several men coming through the house on a regular basis. And because of that, she was sexually abused by some of these men. Her religious experience was little to none. Um, Her mom didn't go to church, and obviously, with everything that she was going through growing up, with all these situations, you know, she never really thought much about a God or if there was a God. And the, the religious that was talked about in her family was negative and bad because of her, her mom and her mom's lifestyle and the mom the, and the people that were, came in through the house and, and all these things. So, so she grew up in this of being physically and mentally abused, verbally abused, in a pretty much horrible home. And, it will, and we might say today, well, this is rare. It's actually more common than you think. And this happens a lot. Well, she grows up, Christine grows up, and, you know, she uses what she can. You know, she has no father in her life, no, no stable stability. And so she kind of tries to find love and stability where she can. And she ends up getting pregnant by a guy when she's 16 years old. The guy runs off. He's like, I'm not having anything to do with you. Tells her to go get it killed. And so she's alone. She's not going to go tell her mom. Her mom's not going to be supportive of her. So she does what, you know, most people in this situation, in this time and age, does. So she goes to get an abortion. And as she's walking in to get an abortion, she sees a bunch of different signs and people protesting. And this is kind of what she sees. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, for this slide I made it mild on purpose because a couple slides down, it's not going to be as pretty. But there's some of the ones that you know basically let her know she's a murderer and she's murdering someone. And then she sees some of these other signs. And, and I kind of tried to think through, what would I think if I was in her situation, as good as I can, if I saw this first sign of it's a child, not a choice? I would think, well, you're not in my shoes. You have no idea what I'm about to go through or what I could go through. This is the only choice I have. Even though she, it's not the only choice she has in her, in the situation she is in, it's the only choice that she thinks she has. The second sign says, choose life, your mom did. Well, she sees that sign, she thinks, you know, honestly, I wish my mom had not. And so, again, that kind of confirms what she's, what she's thinking and what she's about to do if I am doing the best thing I can for my child so that it doesn't have to raise up and be in the life that I had. And the last sign she sees, which is a little different from the other one she thought, says, love them both. 
And so she goes on in, she has her abortion, and she goes about her life. But a couple of years later, and as we all know the facts, you know, there's a lot of people who can, they'll say that this is not true, but most women who have an abortion go through a very emotional and hard time. It causes depression, it causes a lot of mental problems that I'm not an expert on and I'm not going to go to all the details of. But it, it gives you a very hard, it's a very hard experience and it's, and it's rough. Um, there's, I've, there's a couple who people who have gone through it who are Christians now who have written books about it and, and gone through it. And they talk about that and they talk about the guilt that they still live with. So Christine decides, you know, one day she's, she's just having a rough day and she's like, you know what, let me, let me go and do a, like a little search and just see what maybe the church has to offer on abortion or about abortion. And so she knows someone, and, and there, there's a reason I'm going to focus on us at this point, but that we're not the only ones, and I want to make this clear that it's not just the Church of Christ. But, but I, want to, I want to emphasize something, and, and not all of us are what I'm about to show, and I'm going to, I want to emphasize this for a good reason, because if you just looked at this one slide, you could get a really bad um, view of what, who the church is, and because we're not this. But she gets on and says, you know, I'm just going to do a search on Facebook since I'm mainly on here. And I'm going to do a church for, I know someone who's in the Church of Christ, who's a friend of mine, and I'm going to do a church search for Church of Christ abortion. And when I do this search, this is what comes up. This is actual. Now, I just wanted you to view it for a minute. Again, most people don't believe this. At least I don't think so. I hope not. I, if, maybe I've been fooled, but I do not believe that this is the, the way that most people express their views, I hope, around someone above. But if I, were to, if I were in her shoes and I saw this and I went and looked at the comments that were on some of this, there was, huh? Yes. Facebook websites. The question was where this came from, and, and that's. Church of Christ? Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. And so this is why I say, and, I, and I'm going to go this, because if someone's viewing online, they could get a very bad impression of if they just flipped through and saw that. So if you did see that, and go back through and listen, I want you to get the context of what, why that's there. Now, not all churches of Christ are like this, all right? But the number one Church of Christ site has two different pages. All total, they have about 100,000 viewers. That is about one week's of viewing. And I'm going to get a little bit further. But if I'm in her shoes, and I search this, and, and the number one comment and the number one thing I say is, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and that these people are going to pay, I am never going to step foot and anything to do probably with a church, especially the church of Christ. And so I, I say this, and like I said, you're going to have to bear with me because next week we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go a little bit in a different direction. But I'm going to look at this from both sides. So that's Christine's story, and I'm going to stop it right there because I want you to put yourself in Christine's shoes, and I, I want that to have been your last search when you were looking out for information and see what that, what that comes up to you. 
So just think about being her for a minute. All right, the next one's Caleb. Caleb, not 100% sure where Caleb was born, but he was born in America, and he was born to your average two-parent home in the United States. But when he was a, just a toddler, an infant, his, both of his parents decided they were both gay and that they were going to get divorced and go live with their, their, uh, their lovers. So, Caleb is then raised by his mother and her partner. They are both very active in the gay rights community. So he grows up, he actually grows up in this situation and, and in this story. He's not abused. He's not taken advantage of. Basically, his life is normal for the most part, except for the fact that he is being raised by two moms, and he attends gay pride events and gay pride, which, you know. But here's the thing, as Caleb goes, grows up, you know, his mom or moms, as he would put it, both told him horrible things about Christians, about how they, would, they, were, they were you know, ultra-conservative and they hated gay people, and he was raised to, to believe this because of some of the things that his mom had told him. So when he was old enough, his mom, moms started taking him to these events and having him march in the parades with him and, and do these things. And this is, the, for the most part, what Caleb ran into. Ran into signs and people who told him that God hated him. Going, we ran into people saying, go away. We don't want you here. And most of these people in these events that he ran into were Christians. Christians, let me put it that way. And then he would see the signs of turn or burn and the, the hateful comments that they would receive. And then finally, the worst things that would happen usually, and this happened more than once, is that urine would be sprayed on them. at these events. So Caleb's story is a little shorter for a reason. We'll, we'll follow up on, on him next week. But I want you to put yourself in, in Caleb's shoes. It, this, this one's hard. Some of these are hard because we really don't know what it was like. A lot of us have grown up in situations where we've really, the hardship and the things that these people have had to go through, our lives have been easy. But I want you to think and put yourself in Caleb's shoes. You grow up in this situation, and this is the experience and the reaction that you get all the way up to urine being thrown on you by a Christian. And then the last one is Justin. Justin, by all means... had a perfectly normal life, normal household. About the only thing I guess we would say would be unnormal about it or abnormal. But even in this day and age, it's not that's this more common than, than what it was. So he was born in a two-parent home, raised by two loving parents. His childhood, what we would say, would be everyday normal childhood. Went to school, got good grades, you know, didn't have 
any problems, wasn't abused, was you know considered your high school in high school and school your normal kid. He wasn't a jock or a real popular kid, but he wasn't you know an outcast or anything like that. Just normal life, childhood. Religion was pretty much non-existent in, in his household as well. You know, his parents didn't really talk bad about religion. They didn't talk good about it. It was just they didn't go. Never really went to church. If they did, it was on Easter. And when they did go on Easter, a lot of times they, they listened to sermons and sung songs that they really didn't understand the meaning to because a lot of the stuff he didn't understand because he had no biblical upbringing. So he, it was, they were kind of lost even when, when he did go. So just kind of your normal existence. But for some reason, Justin has an addiction problem. He started out with, I got this in the wrong order, with alcohol, went to drugs, and for some reason it's just it grabbed a hold of him faster than, than most people, and he couldn't just turn away from it. So not only is at a young age, we'll say he's, I didn't assign an age, we'll say he's in his early 20s. He's addicted to alcohol and drugs and pornography. He's just, he's just, he's got an addictive personality. And as he goes through life, he, he finally gets to a point to where he's just going about to hit rock bottom and it's just getting really hard for him. And so again, kind of like the Christine, he reaches out. And, and he, again, this is, I, I'm, I'm on this one, the Caleb one I didn't because, it, you know, I didn't have a specific example there. But, Excuse me. Like Christine, he reaches out, and he knows someone who's a member of the Church of Christ as well. And I'm not trying to pick on the Church of Christ, but I'm using us as an example. I could do this with a bunch of different ones, denominations, religions, whatever I want to do with, I could, I could do this. But there's a reason why I'm, I'm focused on us, because of who we are. And he's like, you know what, let me, I need to go to a church, let me get on and, and search and I'm going to search for, for Church of Christ. I want some information. So I'm going to search Church of Christ information or lessons. And again, to those who are watching, take this in the context of, of what it is. And this is what comes up. I searched, this was one week's worth of posts on this particular site. And while... This particular site had some good things. I'm not going to say it was all bad. There were some verses on there that were good. Everything in there was anger, wrath, and attacking. There was no love. There was hardly any mention of love. In fact, the one verse or the one thing that I found that mentioned love was that God loved a cheerful giver. And while some of these things may have some truth to them, the way they're presented is very, very harsh. And if I was a person from the outside who had no idea, if I saw this, I would, I would turn it off and never go back. And I don't know if you can read all these. They're, they're a little fine-tuned. But there's a reason why I did this. And, and I hope some of you are, are still following me. Some of you may have said, you know, I'm not going to listen to this. There's a reason why I did this, and, and the reason I did this is because, honestly, I didn't expect to. 
what I did was I put myself in these people's shoes and decided I would try to take the steps that I thought they would take if they were in that situation. Again, I, I can't begin to put myself in some of those situations and some of those experiences that some of those people... Now, and I will say this, not all Church of Christ pages look like that. Not all, I mean, you, you have your mix of both. But what I want to show is this is some of the first stuff that comes up with a lot of religious stuff. Not just Church of Christ. And so, what I want to dig into now, and this is where it's going to get very personal, I want you to think about, go back and think of the day in the life of these people that we just, and this is a very short time frame and a very small example of some of the things that people go through. And I want you to think about this as you go through this next week. So this is kind of like, I guess, an action item before I go, because we're going to continue this lesson on next week, and we're going to show that there's, there's different directions that this can go. This isn't the only thing out there. But we have to be aware, and we have to see everything and be aware of everything that is out there so we know we can combat it. We, can, we know what we can do, that we, what we're up against sometimes. So I want you to put yourself, I want you to see the people in your world. There's people in your world that you know what they've been through. You know what their life has thrown at them. Some of them has been fairly easy for the most part. Others, they have gone through some really, really harsh, bad times. And I want you to put yourself in their shoes and try to live a day in their life and what it might be like. Because as Christians, we, you know, we have our expectations, we have our reality, right? And, and we don't really sometimes understand the realities of other people's lives. And that's why I think when you go all the way, we go all the way back to what Paul was talking about, when he says, I become all things to all men, he, gets, he puts himself in their shoes. He understands what they're going through. And he lives life with them. And that's what I want us to do here. So my, my question is, as you go through this, and, and, you, and, we, and we look at this, and as you go through your, your walk, and I know we're not really, some of us are going out in the world today, but as you run into people, and, and, you, and you look, and you see people, and you have conversations, and, and you see things that maybe someone posts, and, and this is where I'm going to get into the, the personal side of it, is how do you reflect Christ with all this? Because if I go and see that, that is not a reflection of Christ. That is taking some things that are, yes, in the Bible, but really twisting them around and, and, and not showing the, the love that is there. Yes, there's wrath there, but you should not start off your conversation with someone with wrath. It should be with love. If you look every single time, every single example of the God, of Jesus Christ, conversing with someone in the Bible who was what we would consider in that day, or even in that day, and we would consider a lot of times in this day, the worst of the worst, the heathen of the heathen. His first expression, his first everything with them was always love. Leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees, yeah, that, and that's, who would jump all right? over for their... And then the people he attacked first, just like Dad said, the people he did not, I say show love, I mean... He showed his, his, his wrath with were the ones who were acting like 
that right there. I think also one of the big reasons why Paul was so effective is the fact that he never forgot his background. Yeah. He never forgot that how great of a sinner he was against yeah. you know the church and the fact that if God could forgive the things that he did, yeah. he should also have that kind of love and, and care towards those that he would come in contact with, regardless of, of what they had done or, or yep. whatever the situation was. Terry makes a good point with what he just said. was If you know Paul's background, and his background was, he, he murdered Christians. He was part of murdering Christians at the time, and, and he was converted. So he knows, you know, no matter, like, look, I, you know, I think at one point he calls himself the chief of sinners, right? So, he, yeah. Like Terry said, he can put himself in their shoes because he knows what he was. Sometimes while, while you see some of that stuff yeah. is because we, you know, we don't remember our background. Right. Right. Well, and I'll put it this way too. We, one, like Terry said, we don't remember our background. Or two, someone like me, and I, I use myself as an example, I was raised in the church. Right? I, I was, you know, basically I was in church from day one. I come out through now. I haven't been perfect. I've got things in my life where I, I went sideways, but not to the point of what you know. And I think some of us who have been raised in in the church building and in, in, in the Christian homes, we don't like. I, we, I talk about that bubble. We have those bubbles that we live in, and we and we see these things going on outside, and it's like, well, these people are horrible people. But how dare they live a lot? And we have no idea what their background is. No idea what they've been through because we've never had the experience. And that's why I think sometimes some of your best people, like Paul, who are, who are your best evangelists and, and stuff like that, are the ones who, man, they have been a heathen and they've done all kinds of horrible things and they know what the true grace of God is. Yep. Robbie just jumped ahead next week. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. That, that's perfect because it's a good example. So what Robbie talked about was this, some of these people had Christian examples or some sort of, of church experience, and, and if they had Christians in their life, then they wouldn't have had to reach out maybe and search on the Internet. or you know. And that's what we're going to look at next week. So like I said, this, this, is, this is hard to look at. But we have to accept the fact that it's out there. Now, we know, as, as us, in this group, in this building here, we know that those are not our viewpoints. We don't believe that, and I hope you don't. But here's the thing, and this is why I ask this question, how do you reflect Christ? Some people have shared some of that stuff. Now, I know what it is. This is you scrolling through. And you see something, and, well, that makes sense. I, and I get that. And you share it. And although it's truth, 
although there's some truth in those things, it's not presenting truth in love. And it's not going to do any good in converting someone. No one's going to scroll through and see that and be like, well, Chad Green just shared that. Man, I'm going to get myself right with God right now. And so there's a lot of times that this is what I, and this is how I want you to think. And I want us to think is I want us to be, when we're, when we're scrolling through and we share the things that we share, and, we, and, we, and I've talked about this a lot, and the reason I focus a lot of people are like, well, not everything is about social media. In the situation we're in right now, a lot of it is. That's where they're going to get most of their information. Right now, a recent study that just went, went, I went and read, um, I think it was Barna. I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. On average, church attendance is up 300%. During this virus, I, I say attendance, not in the physical building, but people trying to keep track the best they can to the number of people watching their services and viewing their classes and doing the things they're doing. That is up tremendously. There's churches who have 75 visitors or 75 regular attenders who some of their worship services have seen 700 people, 750 people viewing them. Ours is almost doubled. And so, the reason I say this is how do you reflect Christ? Because I think this is an important thing right now because people are searching right now for this kind of information. They are looking. Now, you're not, that's not going to be the only thing you find out there. I, but I'm using this, I'm starting with the negative, and I'm going to move to the positive. But I want us to know that that's out there. And I want us to know that even sometimes us as Christians, we can un, unintentionally do these things that we don't want to do. Because it, sometimes it is hard, and we're not going to be perfect. We're going to do things to offend people. You know, we're humans, we're not perfect. But the best we can, we need to do the best we can to be empathetic to people. Now, I'm not saying let people walk all over you, take advantage of you, do those things. What I'm saying is, is do our best to put ourselves in everyone's shoes that we can so that way we may win some of them. We're not going to win all of them. No matter what we do, we can be as empathetic as we possibly want to be, but there's still, you know, there was people Christ himself could not convert. I say could not, didn't. Go ahead. Um, I was thinking about this. Jesus didn't let people off the hook, but he said things like, go and sin no more. Right. He showed them empathy and compassion, but he also said, hey, there is the path. Yep. This is what I want you to do. You need to change your life over to here yep. so that these things won't bother you anymore. You won't have trouble anymore with these things. Cause, but he always pointed them to God. Yep. And, and that's going to be, and that's what we're going to look at next week. So, and, and, and you guys are right. You're, you're going in the right direction. And I didn't have enough time. I, I had to split this into, into two different lessons. I wish I'd, I could do all one lesson. But that's what we're going to look at next week. And that's why I stopped their stories where I stopped them. Right? Because their story's not finished yet. They've seen this stuff, but there's still opportunity to, go to, to do the right thing. And, and I, some of these are going to be interesting. Um, and and I, I, one of them's going to be really interesting. But it shows if we do what we're supposed to do, if we get outside of this building like we are now, we have to be, right? And, and we show that empathy and, and, and the biggest example I go to is we need to come down to their level right 
I think so many times as Christians, we expect people who are in sinful lifestyles to come up to our level first, and then we'll, we'll have these conversations. Now, we need to get down in the mud with them. You know, that's what Paul did, right? He went and lived with them. He understood them. What Jesus did, right? We didn't, you know, sit back and we post our post and we, or we say our comments or we have our conversations. Well, that person, look at how that, you know, not that kind of. He went and said, look, this person's hurting. I'm going to get down here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out what's going on, why you're hurting, and I'm going to do everything I can to lift you up out of it. Now, we're not always going to be successful, but I, 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 at least at that point I can say, look, I did everything I could. We did everything we could. We can continue to pray. You know, that's the, but if we start off with the, the wrath and the, the, well, I can't believe you did this. You're a murderer. You're never going to get anywhere. Or, or, you know, homosexuality is an abomination. If that's the first words you start out with, you're never going to get anywhere. So that's my, all right, it's 10.15, i got to stop. So that's my first lesson. Now we're going to continue this on next week. We're going to stay in these same people's lives. And then after that, we're going to get into some Christian people's or some unchurched people. I forget what I, some church people. Let me put it that way, church people. We're going to look at the two. And then we're going to look at what the, the Christian, the Christian life. And what it, you know, the different views and, and sometimes the, the things that we do or see in, in those lives. So I hope you saw this. If you saw any of those slides going back through it, and you're like, what in the world is this crazy guy talking about? Please go back and get the full context of everything that was in there. And we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll continue next week. We'll, have, we'll start uh, live streaming about 10.25 for worship service. Thank you.